0: You can also check us out online by going to ouravenuechurch.com. We really pray that something in this message inspires and equips you to experience the way of life you were created to live in Christ. Enjoy. I'm going to wrap up a series today. I thought I was doing it last week. Have you ever been in a conversation and the conversation ended and you walked away and you thought of all these other things that you wish you could have said? Um, One of the great things about Sundays is they come back every week. So I get to say the things today that I didn't get to say last week. And so we're looking at this series on being inspired um, and reading our Bible. We've talked about preparing our heart. We've talked about building that foundation. And last week, It was just an incredible time. Uh, Those of you who were here at the end of our our time together, I put the sermon really back on you, and we read scripture together, and we talked about it in circles, and I I literally had a proud dad moment as I was standing up here just watching our church read the Bible together, and most people were really nervous, like, I got to talk to the people around me, I've been sitting by them for six months and I don't know their names, right? We put ourselves there. But it was just incredible to hear the ebbs and the flows of the laughter and the chatter and people just encouraged by that. And so, but I wanna take it just one step further. And the whole goal of this series, um, and I shared this at the end of my message last week, the ultimate goal of reading the Bible is not to get you into the word of God. That is part of it. But the ultimate goal of us reading the Bible is to get the word of God in you right, to get it in you. Because when we get it in us, then there is information that we receive, there's inspiration that we receive when it gets into our heart, there's transformation that takes place when it gets into our spirit. But then there's also, we said, this incarnation of the word of God when it is in our life and we go to work, we are in our homes, we are in our community and the word of God is flowing out of us. We become skin and bone um, to those that are around us, flesh and bone to those around us with the word of God. And so we're going to take it one step further um, today, Colossians chapter three, today's message will be a little shorter, um, but also a little sweeter, I promise you. Colossians chapter three, verse 16. Um, Paul says this to the church. He says, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all the wisdom through psalms, through hymns and songs from the spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And I love this imagery, these words that, that Paul uses. He says, let the word of God dwell richly in you. Let it dwell richly in you. And when you use this, this image dwell, it means to, to, to be in, to, to reside. And so the word of God should reside in us as individuals, but then also Paul's saying in us as a group so that we can challenge. The word admonish is really just a, a nice way of saying correct and challenge. We don't like those conversations, but we also have to have those conversations. And so um, reading and studying, we've talked about, those are important, getting information and context. But I wanna go another step with getting the word of God really saturated into our heart. And we're gonna talk about three things. And the first two are really two sides of the same coin, meditation and memorization. To memorize and meditate, to meditate and memorize meditate and memorize, memorize and meditate. And when we look at this, they're essentially the same things and, and maybe not the same, but they have the same end goal and the same purpose. Joshua says this and, or God tells us to Joshua in chapter one, verse eight um, from the NIV. And it says, keep this book of the law always on your lips. So, so keep the book of the law, keep Keep my word always on your lips and meditate on it when? Day and night. Meditate on it day and night, not just in the morning, not just, but, but all day so that you may be careful to do everything that is written in it, written in it, then you will be prosperous and successful. So we're to meditate on it. Day and night. We're not supposed to allow the word of God to leave our lips. It should be coming out of our mouth in conversations and prayers. And then David says this in Psalm 119, verse 11. And Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the book of Psalms. And if you were, most of the time, depending on your Bible, if you were to Open your Bible up, pretty much to the middle of the book. Psalm one hundred and nineteen. I did it just then. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Um, <laughs> Psalm one hundred and nineteen. Thank you, because you never know how that's going to go. Like it works. Psalm one hundred and nineteen is is right in the middle, um, and it's the longest chapter in the Book of Psalm dedicated about the importance of the Word of God. And each stanza is a letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and so the writer was very intentional to communicate the importance. Of incorporating the word of God into our life. And, and he says this. And if we've grown up in church, you've, you've probably heard this message. Um, this verse it says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I've hidden. That's that's memorization. And we get memorization. Like that's a little more concrete because, like, remember growing up in elementary school, you had to memorize your math facts, right? And now they do this thing called decompose deconstruct and just break it down which is crazy but I had to memorize it. You start with your ones and you work your way up and if you don't if you don't get them all right you miss recess time. I was so bad I missed a lot of recess time, right? And so we get memorized saying it over and over and over. But meditation is just a little bit different. And so the the Hebrew word for meditation means this to speak or to mutter to oneself. To speak or to mutter to oneself, do we have anybody that talks to themselves? Yeah, right? Um, why does that happen the older you get? Like I really never talked to myself when I was a teenager, like a young adult't but the older I get, we talk to ourselves. And I always used to hear people say, "You can talk to yourself as long as you don't answer yourself." Guess what I'm starting to do now, guys. Going crazy, all right. I'm answering my like asking questions, and I'll answer like I will have a whole conversation. And even worse part, I will have a conversation in my head that I'm having with my wife or someone else that's around me, and I will bring them in mid conversation. Anybody done that? And they're like, "What are you talking about?" I was like, "Oh, I'm sorry. I was having this conversation with you in my head. Were you not there?" Kind of thing. But meditation is that. It's muttering, speaking to yourself. Rolling it over, so to speak, in your mind over and over and over. And so here's the difference. Like memorization helps us to know it. Memorization helps us know it. But meditation helps us own it. Like it becomes ours. We understand it. And think about when you loan things to people or you share things with people. You can't really share something with someone else if you don't own it. You could, you might go to jail, right? But when it comes to the word of God, like in order for us to really be able to share it with people, we have to own it, not just know it. And so we're gonna talk about what that looks like. When, when we own the word of God and not just have it memorized, but we meditate on it and we own it, some things take place. Three things that I've seen in my life and in other people's life that takes place is, is the first is this meditation that helps replace our evil thoughts. With good thoughts. Meditation helps replace our evil, our ungodly, our anxious thoughts, our negative thoughts. It helps us replace those thoughts with God's thoughts and good thoughts. Um, a year ago, I used this illustration. And I didn't want to repeat it today because I got a different illustration, but I used this illustration to where I had a container of just dirty water. And in order to clean that water out, we can't really go in and remove all the dirt that's in that water. We will never get it all, no matter how hard we try. In order to clean out that, that container, what we have to do is to continually pour fresh water into that container. And as the fresh water goes in, guess what happens to all the dirty water? It comes out and it, cleans, it cleanses the container. And so when we get the word of God in us, it's like that. Paul says this to the church in Philippi, In Philippians 4 verse 8, he says, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And he uses this term specifically, fix your thoughts. Not because our thoughts are broken, even though they can be at times, right? But to fix is is think about hanging a picture on a wall. You have to put a nail in the wall and then you fix the picture onto that nail. Now, how many of us have put pictures on the wall without using a tape measure? Because we think we can eyeball it, <laughs> right? Like, a lot of times, I'm really good. Like, I can eyeball it, get it centered, but if you're hanging two pictures side by side that are supposed to be the same size, it gets a little more difficult, a little more challenging. And so, hashtag, like, like here's, a, here's a life hack for you. Um, never go down. So if, if one's a little, a little higher, Don't bring that one down, because guess what you'll see? The hole. Take the one that's lower, move it up, because then you can't see the hole, okay? So be careful, guys, that it could get you in trouble as well, right? But we have to have the word of God in our life as the nail to fix our thoughts on. Um, The second thing when we meditate on God's word, what it helps us do, is it helps um, us be more aware of God throughout our day. It helps us be more aware of God throughout our day. And, and David says this in Psalm 16.8. He says, I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken. He's right beside me. I know the Lord is always with me. He's right beside me. I will not be shaken. We, we have this part of the brain, um, and I, I will not say it right. Um, it's the reticular activating system, the RAS um, within our brain. Kind of a layman's term for it is the tiny scribe in our head and how this tiny scribe works. And if you've ever went car shopping or you've ever purchased a car and you think you're gonna be the only person with that car and you've looked at it and then you buy it and you realize like a few years ago, we bought a a used 08 Acura. I've never driven an Acura. It's one of the nicest cars I've ever owned. Like I was feeling like like high schooler-ish, like I'm the coolest guy on the street. Nobody else has an Acura. I buy the Acura, bring it home, guess what? There's three other Acuras on my street. And what has happened is is my brain has been awakened to this Acura car that I now own, and I see it everywhere, right? It's the same when we get the word of God, it awakens. This is how cool that God is. Not only do we have the Holy Spirit, Jesus says, I will give you the Holy Spirit and he will remind you of everything that I've said, he activates the tiny scribe, the Raz in our brain to pick up when he's moving around because we have saturated our heart with his word so it awakens us and allows us to see God more present in our day. And then this one, we can teach, admonish, and encourage each other. We can teach, admonish, and encourage each other because none of us are perfect. We all mess up, but we also need people to hold up our hands when our hands are tired. We need people to spur us, as Paul says, and spurring's not fun, to, to excellence. We need some correction and some teaching from time to time. And we're able to do that When we have the word of God firmly rooted and saturated, Um, was talking to a really good friend yesterday. Um, His mom's been really sick and they're they're looking at treatment options and there's not a whole lot out there that can work. And just in talking with him, he was like, bro, I just don't want people to tell me I'm sorry. I don't want people to tell me I'm sorry, like they're sorry because then I have to try to explain and then I feel bad because they feel bad. I just want people's prayers and I want joy and positivity. Like, that's it, I don't have to explain. And and so we were talking, I was like, you know what? Scripture says, the joy of my Lord. The joy of the Lord is what? My strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And so we're talking and we're praying and Jesus in his last conversation with his disciples in in John 14 and 15, he says, it's my prayer that my joy would be full in you, that your joy may overflow. And so we're able to encourage and teach each other based off the word of God that we have. Because to be honest, like we get nervous when we think we need to say something to someone whether it's an encouraging word or whether it's some correction and we're afraid we won't have the right words to say and you on your own will not but you in partnership with the Holy Spirit and his word absolutely will and will be much better than any words you could try to think of on your own and so when we, when we look at this memorization and meditation, memorize and meditate it's a little bit easier to understand when it comes to memorize like last week was great I loved watching you guys discuss. And then I thought, what if I had them turn to each other and share a scripture that they had memorized? Same response in my head. It's like, they're going to freak out. Because, like, will I get the reference right? Will I get the wording? Which, which translation? The very first scripture I ever memorized, you know what it would be? Jesus wept. Let's go. Two words. <laughs> I can do that all day. Give me that lollipop in Sunday school, right? Nine years old, let's get it. Like, I get my first star. That's the only star I had for that quarter in Sunday school, right? But we get nervous when we have to think about memorizing. So, so here's what I've done. Like, where do I start? I don't know. So I found a resource for you guys this week, and it's on our website. If you go to ouravenuechurch.com resources, there is a button about a third of the, of the way down, and it is a scripture memorization PDF. I'm not saying memorize a scripture a day. I'm not saying three a week. This is a layout for us to be able to memorize one scripture a week. And there's five years worth of scriptures. And so it's like, I don't know where to start. You got no excuse, no excuse. And that's like 790 something scriptures over the course of five years. We overestimate what we can do in a short amount of time but we way underestimate what we can do in a longer period of time, and so we get that, but let's talk about meditation. It's, it's mumbling to ourselves. It's talking to ourselves. It's a little messier, so on the edges of the aisles, I told you this would be a little sweeter. On the edges of the aisles, there should be some buckets with Hershey bars. Um, pass the Hershey bars down so that everyone gets one. We should have enough, and if you don't want a whole one, don't eat it just yet. We're gonna do a little activity. Share it share it with whoever's sitting beside you. Um, and I joked, is like, well, it's not on my plan. Um, well, it's on your plan for the 11 a.m. service at Avenue. Um, you can you can take one or you can half it with someone. Man does not live on bread alone, but by the very word of God and chocolate, right? And chocolate. Now there. You guys, I feel like I'm in kids' church. You guys are so excited. This is awesome. Um, there are two ways to eat chocolate. Now, you can do half of it, or you can just do a fourth of it. All of it. <laughs> Give me two of them, right? Um, there, there, there's two ways, and, and one of them is right. So the first one, here's, you guys get to participate. Um, we're going to eat just a piece, and we're just going to chew it up and swallow it, okay? And just chew it up and swallow it. as quick as you can, right? Now, that's just reading. We're reading scriptures. We're just chewing it up. We're reading it. We're getting our 15 minutes. Um, There are times for that. If there is a a jar of these on my counter, I'm eating like a bunch of them super fast at times because I think if I eat them fast, it doesn't count, right? It doesn't stick. It just moves as quickly out of my body as it went in. Uh, But there's a better way to eat chocolate. And so we're going to put it in our mouth, but we're not going to chew it. We're going to let it melt. Come on, amen. All right? And so we're just, now I've got a cough drop on one side, so it's like an Andes mint. It's a little different. But as you're eating it, right, as it's melting, what is it doing to the inside of your mouth? Explosion. A taste explosion, Right? You should try doing this with a cough drop and a piece of candy. But it is, it's coating the inside of your mouth, right? This is what meditation is. We don't rush through it. We don't chew it up. We let it linger. We roll it around, right? Get it from one side of our mouth to the other. And then even when it is completely dissolved, there is still a residue of the chocolate in our mouth we can still taste it, right? Um, That's what meditation is. And so every time you eat a piece of chocolate, you'd be like, I'm gonna meditate on this, right? Um, Eat it slowly, but when you eat a piece of chocolate, I want you to remember, like, this is how we should approach the Word of God, slowly and allow it to melt and saturate our heart. Now, there's tons of candy left. Um, I cannot take it home with me, amen? So please, put it in your purses, put it in your pockets. If not, I'm gonna give it to your kids right on the way out. Amen. <laughs> Come on, cause because I know, I know some of us we limit, not today, like <laughs> they're getting it all. So we meditate and we memorize. And then the third one is this, and it's been super helpful in my life. And this is this is where we pray God's word. Where we pray it. Um, it's hard to believe we are over two years old. Our first year as a church, I did a series on prayer. And so if you want to go back and listen to that, see it's still there. If you wanna go back and listen to that, I would encourage you. We can be as intimidating about prayer as we can about reading the word of God. Prayer is simply just talking to God and then listening to what he's saying to us. Um, and we don't often know like, like where to start. Um, we think that maybe prayer is trying to convince God to do for us what we want him to do. It's actually the opposite. When we're praying, what we're wanting to happen is for our heart to be transitioned in line to what God is doing to be able to pick up and listen to what he is saying. And so for us to be able to pray scripture, um, it saturates it even more and aligns it to our heart. Praying God's word reminds me of his promises. When we pray God's word, we are reminded of his promises. Psalm 119, um, verse 49 this same chapter it says remember your promises to me remind me of your promises god it is my only hope and that's true like like our only hope is not in a government it's not in a job it is in him and him alone and it says your promises they revive me your promises it comforts me in all my troubles and so when we're praying scripture we are reminding ourselves of his promises and listen guys all of god's promises are what Yes and amen in him. And so one of the things that that early on in youth ministry, that I just prayed, there was a season of about two to three years to where I wanted, like I just wanted to quit ministry. Like it was hard. People think like we only preach on Sundays, right. If we only preached on Sundays, it would be a cakewalk, right? Cupcake, like it would be, but there's so much, and we were in a season at the church where I was a part of, we were going through leadership transition and church splits, and I don't even know, like, church people can be some of the meanest people, right? And, and there was just some nastiness that was going on, and I'm just trying to love and pastor teenagers, and a friend of mine was like, look, just do not grow weary in well doing, Galatians 6, 9, for at just the right time, you will reap a harvest. Well, in my mind, that just the right time was going to be in a couple of weeks, because that's what it is, right? And I was like, all right, I'm planting some seeds, I'm getting a harvest, it doesn't work that way at just the right time. The harvest, in all reality, for that season of us in youth ministry that was hard, we did not reap the harvest of that until like a decade after. Like there was some good times, but right now as we see the kids that we had from 12 to 18, they're growing up, they're getting married, they're having kids. I went to the Grizzlies game last last month with my girls And some of the kids that were in my youth group were there as well. They live in Memphis. And so we got to go eat dinner with them afterwards. They've got one kid, another one on the way. Guys, that was a moment of me reaping a harvest from not growing weary and giving up in that season. But I prayed that for like years it felt like. And I was reminded that God's promises are yes and amen. The harvest may just come later than what we want, right? And the other thing that happens when we pray God's word is we are praying his will. When we pray God's word, we are praying his will. And and sometimes um, we've all ended prayers this way. But Lord, whatever is your will, let it be done, which is 1000% true and should be what we're aiming for. But there's been times where I have prayed that because I wasn't real certain about what I was praying. And I wasn't real certain whether God was hearing me, so it's just like, it's my safety net at the bottom, whereas if I get it wrong, God, whatever your will is, be done, amen. So that if it's answered, great. And there is 100% truth in that, but there is a better way to know God's will in that when we pray his word, we are praying his will. And so one of of the scriptures that, that I pray over my girls and have been since Addison was was maybe almost two. It was Genesis 18, 18 through 19. For Abraham will certainly become a great and mighty nation and all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. I have singled him out so that, they, so that he will direct his sons and their families to keep the way of the Lord. Stephen, you have three girls. Why are you praying about Abraham? Because I know one day my girls are gonna get married And so I pray, God, single out that young man who you have to marry them. Let him be raised up in a godly home so that he can lead his family and his sons. Come on. I love my girls. Give me some grandsons, right? It's a while from now, girls, all right, right? Um, But I'm praying that not just for my girls, but for their husbands. And it's like, I know I should be praying for their spouse. And so here's what I'm praying. God, single them out wherever they are, whatever they're doing. Single them out just like you singled out Abraham to raise his sons and his families in your ways, that those guys would raise my grandchildren and lead my daughters in your ways. Um, another one that I pray for you guys, even today, Hebrews 4, 4.12. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow, between bone and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Isaiah 55, 11 says, it's the same with my word as the rain and snow. I send it out and it will produce fruit. It will accomplish all that I want it to and prosper everywhere I send it. Before I preach at the end of worship, transitioning in, those two scriptures will be prayed over our hearts. Because I know my words are no good if they, if they do not line up with God's words. That God's word is what separates soul and spirit. It separates our emotions from our spirit, our emotions from what we think, what we feel. We're not to be emotion driven or feeling driven, but we are to be led by what? The spirit. And the word gives us direction to our spirit that we should follow. And then I, like, I don't want it to do God's word to accomplish what I want in your life. I want it to accomplish what he wants in your life. And so I'm praying that promise over us as a church. And I found this, found this quote um, just in preparation. It says, in scripture, God speaks to us. So as we're reading, as we open up, this is God speaking to us. He has spoken and men wrote it down, inspired by the Holy Spirit. But when we read it, God is speaking to us in this moment. And when we pray in prayer, we speak to him. What he says to us prompts what we say to him. Listen, scripture fuels meditation and meditation fuels prayer. Scripture fuels meditation as we meditate on his word as we're meditating on his word, that meditation will fuel the direction in which we're to be praying in our lives for things in our life, for things in the lives of those around us. But what happens when we pray lining up with his words, we're reminding God of his promises, reminding ourselves, and we're praying out his will. And so I'm gonna do this as, as we close today, Psalm 121, I'm gonna read it, and then I'm gonna pray it over us. Um, and this is something else that you can do. Like, as you're reading, And you're like, I just don't know what to pray. I don't know how to pray. Find a passage of scripture. Because this isn't, like, this is a prayer book as much as it is, like, just something to study. Because God is, is always encouraging his people to pray, but then he's given directions on how people should pray. And then we read stories of how people are praying. And so find a passage. Memorize it. Know it meditate on it, own it and then pray it over your situation and and you can make some adjustments and personalize it so Psalm 121, I'll close with reading this David is writing, he says, I look up to the mountains does my help come from there? no, my help comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth he will not let you stumble the one who watches over you will not slumber Indeed, he's the one that watches over Israel. He never slumbers nor sleeps. The Lord himself watches over you. The Lord stands beside you. Listen now, like like he's standing beside us as our protective shade. The sun will not harm us by day nor the moon at night. Let the Lord keep you from all harm and watches over you, over your life. The Lord keeps watch over you as you come and go both now and forever. See, there's a promise in this that he watches over us not just today but now and forever where we come and go that his presence is a shade for us. And so here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna pray this over us using this. And I want you to hear how I do it. You don't have to do it the same way but, but how it can be done to saturate the word of God over your heart to let it melt in your mouth, for lack of a better term. So with with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to pray this over us. Um, God, I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? No, my help comes from you, Lord. You made the heavens and the earth. God, you won't let us stumble. God, you watch over us. You never you never slumber. You've watched over Israel. God, you never slumber. You never sleep. God, I know you watch over us yourself. God, stand beside us as a protective shade. Watch over us so that the sun will not harm us in the daytime and and, and the fears and the challenges of the day or the fears of the night. God, God, Keep us from all harm and please watch over our life. God, watch over us, watch over your people as we come and go, as we go to work, as we go to school, as we go about our days. God, watch over us both now and forever. Lord, stand beside us as our protective shade. God, even in this room, as I say that, I just thinking of people in this room that need a place of safety, a place of refuge, a place of covering. God, let them find that in you, a place of protection. Let them find that in you. God, as we move out of this series, God, I pray that it would just be not just a few sermons that we've listened to but God, that there are things that we've learned and practices that we've we've learned and maybe some inspiration that we found to put these things into place. To form us into the image of who you've called us to be. God, awaken within us. God, the apostle Paul said to Timothy to fan into flame the gift that is on the inside of us. God, I pray that you would just fan into flame this passion and desire to read your word more, not just to know it, but to incorporate it into our life. God, if there's anyone here today that does not have a relationship with you, or maybe they've called themselves a Christian at one point, but they've walked away and they don't know who you are, God, I pray that just something they've experienced in this service, not anything that we've done, but something that you've spoken, something that you've directed. God, that you've stirred their heart and stirred their spirit to a place to where they would say, Jesus, I give you my life. That the way that they've lived and their plans are failing, but God, they would come to a place of surrender to you and trust their life in your hands. Not everything has to be perfect, but we have to come to a place where we turn to you and turn from our plans. And it starts with saying, Jesus, I give you my life. It's not all that's gonna be said, but it's the start of an incredible relationship and conversation. God, where your word says that all of those who confess with their mouth and believe in their heart, they shall be saved. That in that moment, that all the old is gone and all things are made new. God, let them experience your unconditional love in this moment. Let shame be replaced with confidence. Let doubt be replaced with faith and with hope. We thank you for your word, in Jesus' name.